0: Pastor Ray Bentley shows us how we can consider it joy when we face various trials.
1: When you go through horror, it draws you close to Him, if you are a child of God. No matter what happens to me physically, no matter what diagnosis the doctor shares, no matter what financially is taken away from me, I have learned by experience and I have passed the test my Lord will never leave me and He will never forsake me. You are more than a conqueror when you have that. Spread the news, Jesus is coming Join the song, Sing along. let it ring.
0: Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return The whole gospel to the whole world Problems, crises, tragedies, calamities, disasters, emergencies. There's a lot of different words for the trials we face. But there's only one good word for the solution. We'll see, it's Jesus. Today, Pastor Ray shows us how our faith can help us consider trials joy.
1: Let's open our Bibles to the book of James. By the way, my new favorite book of the Bible Now the book of James is the story really of a skeptic who late in life became a saint. It is fascinating for several reasons. It was apparently written before the council of Jerusalem. You remember in Acts chapter 15. And making it the most likely the oldest of the 27 books of the New Testament or the New Covenant means it was written before Matthew, Mark, Luke and John or anything else that Paul wrote or Peter for that matter. It therefore reveals the Jewish Christian teaching in its initial stages of growth and development. And it's also important to see the early teaching of faith before Paul's teaching. And by the way Paul and James have different perspectives on faith and some try to make an argument that they conflict with one another, and I assure you, they do not. They complement one another. But they do have different things to say. And at first glance, it can seem like they're saying opposite things. The major theme of the book of James is real faith is seen by real works. He is, I believe, now James, obviously, a Jewish family, traditional, you might say, Orthodox Jewish family who is now wanting to write, as we shall see, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad of the Jewish people. That's his predominant audience at this time. It is before Christianity has burgeoned and grown to the Gentile nations with the missionary efforts of Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas. So James has with the, the Jewish people and the whole history of the Jewish people, he knows that they can say the right things. But he says, it is not faith if your actions do not match your words. And so he says, real faith is demonstrated by real works. And in fact, he says, without works, your faith is dead. Lip service is not enough. Now, Paul the Apostle comes along later and writes seemingly a contradiction when he says, hey, It's not by the works of the law that we are saved, but we are saved by grace through faith and that is a gift from God and alone. And so let me tell you very briefly how I see these two perspectives on faith and how we are to look at them. James is talking about our being justified before men, before one another, as you look at at people. And you have someone that claims they are a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to heaven. Oh, great brother, great sister, I hear you talking. Where's the fruit in your life? It's a very sobering thought that your behavior actually reveals more about your true faith than your words do. It shows what you really believe by the way that you behave. So before men, we're justified by a faith that works. Now Paul, is talking about, he's not talking about justification before men, he's talking about the vertical justification before God. And see the difference with God is, God doesn't need to wait and see if I will demonstrate my faith to know if it's real or not. God can see right into my heart. He knows immediately if it's saving faith, trusting faith, heart faith or not. That's why when God saw Abraham and he made a promise to Abraham and Abraham embraced it and said, I believe in you, Lord. And God immediately reckoned it unto him as righteousness before he had done anything outwardly or visible because God could see his heart. So we are justified before God by faith alone. And I think what uh, Paul was wanting to say again to a Jewish audience is, you can't earn your salvation by your good works. But James was also saying, but you can't just give lip service and not have evidence in your life that it's a faith that is a saving faith. So they complement one another. With that, I put into your notes Ephesians 2, verses eight through 10. So we're gonna look at James, let's contrast it with Paul. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I like this. Paul says, hey, your, your salvation, your faith is not a work. You didn't earn your way to heaven. If you believe in Jesus Christ, Beginning even before that, if you know who Jesus is, and believe me, much of the world does not yet know who he is, his true identity. If you see it and you know it, that he's not just a man, he's more than a good you know, prophet and, and a good moral teacher, that he is the Messiah, he is God manifest in the flesh. When you see him crucified for you and that he was risen from the dead, that is a divine revelation. You didn't figure it out because you're smart or super spiritual or better than other people, it is a gift from God. And then your faith to believe in him is a gift. But, I like what Paul goes on to say. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Christians are to do good works. The disciples went about doing good. Now, who is this man James? The very first word of this book, he identifies himself. The author is James. Now let me, I put it into your notes there. James is none other than the blood brother, a half brother of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. How awesome is that? We're going to be reading and studying a book written by someone who was raised and lived with on a daily basis, the Messiah, who is God incarnate in human flesh and blood and bone. What a unique perspective James must have on the Lord. The Gospels mention this fact as I note here in Matthew and Mark. Now here's another interesting fact. He was apparently at first a non-believer. We read in John chapter 7 verse 5. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. And in, in, a, in a manner of speaking, why would they from the fact that they the first 30 years of Jesus' life there were only a few things that would separate him from others. They had no way of knowing. There were rumors about their mom and what happened when Jesus was born. No doubt they heard that. They probably heard from Joseph the story about the angels, but how much was really revealed to them? I don't know, but I know this, James did not believe in him. When he started his ministry, I mean, Jesus was a carpenter. Joseph apparently died when they were young. The last time we read about Joseph is when Jesus is 12, and then he disappears. So probably as a teenager, Jesus became the head, as it were, of the house, the provider, and he worked faithfully in the carpenter's shop. And the only thing during those years that James would have observed Jesus growing up is, wow, he never seemed to get in trouble. It's almost like he was perfect or something. And, uh, and, and then he was like really good and disciplined at his work and that he was very, very spiritual, always got up early every morning to talk to his father and pray. And then one day Jesus and in the relationship with his father had grown, Jesus gets up and he dusts off the wood chips off of his hands. The father speaks to him and says, today's the day son, walk out of this carpentry shop. Your ministry has begun. Jesus walks out, begins gathering some disciples around John the Baptist, gets baptized by him. And then radical things happen. He calls some disciples and James hears, my brother is out there as an itinerant rabbi going around teaching about heaven as if he has been there and doing miracles that no one has ever seen before. What in the world? He must have been at the very least amazed, confused. Is this the same brother that I grew up with? And then as it goes on and on, there were times where the family was so concerned for Jesus because they heard of the opposition and some of the claims, they went to take him home. They went to do an intervention. Can you imagine? I'm the Messiah. <laughs> he's beside himself. He, he thinks he's the Messiah. Yes, he's a prophet. Yes, miracles happen. But people are wanting to kill him. And just as a brother, he wanted to protect. He went and tried. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers and who are my sisters but those who do the will of God? All of a sudden, there was a distance. Like, he's not exactly who I thought he was. And then the horror of the crucifixion. What did James, the brother, think then? Still not a believer. I knew this was going to happen. Why didn't he come home? Why didn't he listen to me? And now he's dead. He was the most beautiful Jew that I ever knew. No one fulfilled the law like him. And then three days later, the story of a resurrection among his disciples running around. And now miracles happen again. Supposedly the Holy Spirit falling with cloven tongues of fire upon the heads. James still in disbelief. This is the weirdest thing he had ever heard of or seen in his life. And then we read that during the 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, Jesus remained on earth. He didn't go after the resurrection immediately to heaven, but he showed up for 40 days, one time to over 500. Another time, all the disciples are in a house and locked doors, Jesus shows up. But then we read, In 1 Corinthians 15, 7, Jesus appeared to James. And he knows he was crucified. There's the nail prints in his hands. He's resurrected. His body is glorified in some new way. What did Jesus say? Did he just go, James? Did James fall to his knees? And then he had the revelation. All we know is that from that moment forward, James believed. And he became a leader. Within the early church he is mentioned as being in the upper room in Jerusalem praying with his mother Mary and the rest of the disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 13 and was present when the Holy Spirit descended at Pentecost. James bloomed late in life. Perhaps there is someone here because of all that's going on in your world let alone what's going on as well in the world who are ready to bloom late in life. You will not be the first. James is a classic picture of how the Lord can be so close to someone that they are literally with them and right next to them for years and decades and they still don't believe. That Jesus remains somehow his identity hidden to them until suddenly, as the Bible says, on the road to Damascus, suddenly a great light from heaven. And so also with James, suddenly Jesus appears to his brother. Eusebius is one of the earliest church historians that that gave a record of our earliest brothers and sisters and says that one of the early brothers, who was a Christian, Hegisippus, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, it's a Roman name, but here's what he said. He said that James used to enter alone into the temple and be found kneeling and praying for the forgiveness of of the people so that his knees grew hard like a camel's knees because of his constant worship of God, kneeling and asking forgiveness for the people of Israel. And so from his excessive righteousness, he was called James the Just, a just man. Wow, what a radical life.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. In the past few months at Maranatha Radio, so many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teaching has meant to them. Bless you, Pastor Ray. You ignited my soul in ways I could not have imagined and blessed me with a deepened love for the Bible. You made Scripture come to life. Bless your family. Dear Lord, bring his family, especially his wife Vicki, peace. Praise God Ray is home. Although he's gone home, His teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley.
1: So we read in verse 1, and notice how he introduces himself, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. And then on he goes into his letter. Now hold on for just a moment. If your brother was the Messiah and you were gonna write a letter, you think you might wanna mention that in the beginning to get people to read your letter? He could have begun his letter this way. James the Just, known for his prayer life, from the sacred womb of Mary, the brother of the Messiah of Israel, and by the way, his best friend and confidant while he was growing up. Here's my letter. (laughs) This first verse reveals how James saw himself. I am a bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ. When someone has seen the glory of God, they see themselves as nothing insignificant, it doesn't even matter. And it would be the highest privilege for me to be the servant of the living God and of His Son, Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, forever and ever. I am your servant. The brother relationship had been transformed. James had been transfigured. You might say that James the just also happens to be James the humble. He doesn't even allude to his celebrated status. Now, why is joy so important? Look what he says in verse 2. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Wow. How many of you are suffering, in one way, physically, emotionally, mentally, trials of some kind? Let me see how many of you. How many of you, your first response is you get really, really happy? (laughs) I don't think anybody. We are constantly bombarded with testings and temptations. And we have to choose, am I going to walk in the spirit or am I going to walk in the flesh? James says, choose joy. And I want to say that joy does not begin as an emotion that takes you away. Joy begins as a choice, a frame of mind. It is something that you will yourself to do. And that God fills the emotions of an obedient heart. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 45 through 47 is in your notes. Let's read this scripture out loud. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder and on your descendants forever because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. After a long list of all these evils that will come upon them, God states that judgment is coming because of their disobedience to the word of God. And what sin does he list? Was it idolatry? No. Was it lying? No. Was it stealing? No. But for the sin of refusing to live with happiness, refusing to serve the Lord with joy and with gladness, therefore all these things come upon you. Job chapter 2 verse 10 says, shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? We only can expect good when we get to heaven. We live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. God has a meaningful purpose for all of our lives. And it's not just so that we can have a, a trial free life here. God is forming within us the character of His Son that we shall then display for His glory forever and ever. Now, I don't like to be tested. I don't think anybody does. I would much rather that things went smoothly. And, uh, and I don't like when there are interruptions to life and, and people change things and all the rest. But here's what we learn from James. And I put it in three simple statements. Number one, we should accept all the Lord does with complete faith and trust. And in fact, failing to live with joy shows a lack of faith. It demonstrates that, uh, it demonstrates a spirit that says that I don't like the way the Lord is running the world. And at its worst, the lack of joy demonstrates an arrogant, prideful, haughty spirit that is saying, well, if I were God, I certainly wouldn't run the world this way. I wouldn't run the universe this way. I wouldn't order my life this way. Whoa, watch out. When you think you're ready to play God, watch out. Be careful, you are on dangerous ground. It was such an attitude that the devil himself had long ago and that the Bible warns us against. Number two, let us accept that the various things we encounter in life, whether good or less good, because everything that God allows does work together for good. Come from the Lord to draw us closer to him. There are trials and experiences that I have gone through that that I pray to God, I will never repeat. And I still don't know how to and why and what God allows sometimes and what we do and the consequences and all the rest. And, and it's just a big ball of confusion and darkness. And there are questions in other areas of our lives that we say, well, why did this have to happen, That, that you the loss of a child? Um, and, and you want explanations. Lord, I, I believe in you, but if you'll explain it to me, what we really want is to feel better about it. And what I have learned is that there are going to be some things that have taken place in my life that I am, I am not going to have the explanation of. It won't make sense until we get to heaven. And therefore, I have a choice to make. All right, so what possible good can come out of that? And here's what has happened to every true child of God. When you go through horror, It draws you close to Him if you're a child of God. It is those who are truly God's children that sometimes God allows certain things and the only good thing we know that came out of it is I had to seek the Lord as never before and I drew close to Him and He proved that He will never leave me nor forsake me. Do you know how valuable that is? That He will no matter what no matter what happens to me physically, no matter what diagnosis the doctor shares, no matter what financially is taken away from me, I have learned by experience and I have passed the test. My Lord will never leave me and he will never forsake me. You are more than a conqueror when you have that. Sometimes God allows things to get our attention. Thirdly, after steps one and two, we should put a big smile on our face and realize the Lord is in control and he is running the universe. And he, he doesn't often ask for our help, does he? <laughs> or our opinions. James here says that you develop perseverance, patience, staying power, heroic endurance. James is talking about an inner toughness. And I'll tell you, you have within you the Holy Spirit that endures. That, that is, you cannot be defeated. You are more than conquerors. And through the testings, we become tough and we become forged, like forged steel, and we can pass anything. I believe we are living in the days and the days ahead where we will be able and, and have the opportunity to do great exploits. Daniel the prophet said in the last days, God's children will do great exploits. And believe me, there's great things that have happened and gone before us, but I believe God always saves the best for last. I believe we're living in the last generation the generation that will see his return i do not want to miss what god just might want to do in me through you and through the kingdom of this time amen
0: pastor ray bentley with great insight from this opening study in the book of james here on maranatha radio now today's study is titled joy brings strength if you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. There at the home page, there's a place to leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day, automatically, at no charge. And also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. Why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, The Cyrus Mandate and As the Days of Noah, both prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicle series. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. And you can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world.